0: (coughs) Oh, thank you, yeah. So, let's start with a question on uh, dependent origination. First of all, requests for the um, translation. I don't know how helpful it will be, but uh, (laughs) because some of the terms are rather uh, a bit mysterious in some way. Avijjā, ignorance, or not seeing, opposite of vijjā, clarity. So sort of etymologically connected to Vedana, feeling. So it's a sort of touchy, feely, getting it, apprehension. Uh, clear, not in that lack of information, so much as a lack of p- prescient getting it, you know. Being out of touch, you could say. is not a bad way of translating a Ouija, you know. And it's often not associated with a lack of intelligence, but the wrong kind of intelligence. So it's, it's it's associated with course, called vipalasa, which means we see or we experience or we th- assume or handle things that are innately unchangeable uh, um, as if they are permanent, things that, that are actually unsatisfying as if they could provide satisfaction. Uh, experiencing things as oneself when in fact that cannot be the case mm, since... Uh, the things we call ourselves are actually something that's an object, right? So how can the object be a subject? So, you know, like a feeling is an object. You see um, visual forms are objects and thoughts are objects. If you can witness it, notice it, sense it, it must be there rather than here. You know, it must be an object rather than the subject, so you can't possibly... You know, witness yourself <laughs> because where would you be witnessing it from <laughs> you know how can you step outside a reality how can you, yeah. so anyway but then we kind of assume that something can belong to me when it can't um, things come and go and change um, something constitutes me when actually this very body is made up of all kinds of stuff food, air or water that, that nothing to do with me, as such, it's just their elements. Yeah. You know? uh, so, anyway, so so it's really getting getting the wrong getting the wrong handle on things. Mm. Uh, so it's a weja Uh dependence. That's another complex term. Seemingly trying to put that one word on it because it can mean a range of dependencies, uh, meaning conditional su- support factors. So some of them, support port factors, are considered to be the absence of. The ab- with the absence of kindness arises ill will. So that's a dependent, you know, the, the relationship of, in- of absence. Um, right. um, <clears throat> and so it, it's, a, it's rather complex, but it, uh, because it doesn't just mean it creates something, it means, you know, for example, when there is, Uh, water and the temperature drops it becomes ice but you can't create ice out of coldness you can't create ice out of water without another condition arising or a condition of heat being removed so it's conditioned rather than uh, um, caused Mm. Uh, yeah so and some, some of these conditions are called necessary and some are inevitable. That means, so when they're necessary, it means, for example, um, for clinging to occur, uh, it's there's the necessary condition for, uh, or the necessary consequence of necessary condition that supports Clinging is tanha, but it's not inevitable that tanha will result in clinging. The necessary condition for the arising of tanha is a feeling, feeling pleasure, pain, agreeable, disagreeable, subtler, grosser, so forth. But it's not inevitable that that will give rise to craving. So there are possible cuts that can be made. So this is dependence, anyway. So avidyapaceya sankara. So Sankaras arise, uh, uh, with, with out of not realizing. You could say not being in touch with the unconditioned. So there's some push to make something happen. Yeah. Uh, uh, then sankara arise within within consciousness. Yeah. I don't arise. In some abstract plane, they inevitably have to arise within consciousness. So, and then, when sankaras arise within consciousness, consciousness is activated in accordance with the tendencies of that sankara. So, if the sankara is skillful, like an ethical quality of, you know, I want to do some good here, then that programs the mind consciousness in certain ways. Uh, if the ethical quality is, is uh, greedy, then it, co- it programs consciousness in another way. So consciousness that's programmed in terms of greed will tend to be on the lookout for stimulating um, objects to apprehend. Consciousness looking out in terms of compassion will tend to see objects that uh, uh, in terms of um, you know, a skillful relationship to suffering. To, to actually want to be with it and, and heal it or protect it rather than run away from it or blame it on somebody else. So these ethical qualities within the Sankara can, can actually tr- program consciousness to, to incline in certain ways. So Nama Rupa, uh, consciousness is an awareness where there's gives fr- uh, uh, a subject and an object. And so this this tense this crystallizes in the structure of nama rupa, which is na- literally means name and shape. So that's pretty broad. Yeah. So this can be translated as mind and matter, material as the as the rupa, that which is or nama is mind, that which does the designating, operating, confabulating. Um, considering uh, interest disinterest and so forth Uh, or it could be seen more like um, on a momentary level as the arising in consciousness of a rupa a form a visual form or an olfactory form or a thought form and then the nama is all the designating around that yeah so nama rupa Literally means uh, you know. So we have a thought, and then there's a designating of getting agitated by it, um, uh, getting worried about it, uh, fascinated by it. So there's this kind of and this thing going on. So this is the structure, vijnana Namrupa. rupa, um, and dependent on that, or with that structure in place, or that is continually uh, reprogrammed uh, through the six sense fields, salayatana. So that that kind of basic structure of uh, an object and a designation of it is occurring through the visual sense, the olfactory sense and so forth. Um, And And though that, that, that salayatana, the sense fields are constantly being stimulated by some contact, pasa. Something touches the eye, something touches the ear, and this is, and this whole structure starts happening. So Salatana Pasa. So Pasa has to have uh, sense base to to get contact. And of course, this includes six senses. So it includes the mind, which is the big one, actually. Something touches the mind, and there's contact. And then out of that contact, there is forms of... Uh, Feeling, perception, interest, uh, skillful, unskillful tendencies start. Intentions, which is a big part of nama, start operating. So then you get that Pasa. Um, um, vedana, feeling. So the contact is is, is synonymous or uh, with perception and feeling. Hmm. Something is perceived and there's a, a quality of feeling, agreeing with it, inclining towards it or moving away from it, uh, li- wishing to linger with that experience. So these feelings can be fairly subtle, wishing to linger with an experience or wishing to, to gloss over it. Some, the mind, some, mm, so what, what, something, oh, that catches it. The feeling can be only momentary, just the momentary flicker of, oh, mm, it's nice. or or deep where you really want to get into it so and around that um you know um, that acts as a support for craving or some kind of favoring or opposing you could say and it's subtle its form Uh, wanting to have more of it wanting to have less of it Mm. Mm. and and uh, for various motivations and one of the motivations is just sheer Feeding to get some happy energy running in, um, some agreeable experiences happening. The other is uh, uh, orientation to feel safe, steady, secure. You know, in the in the when feeling happens, either um, we we can guarantee we'll have that feeling because we've 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 met, we've placed it in a perception. Therefore, I'm going to hold on to that perception. Yeah, or i'm going to resist that perception mm. so even uh, strange enough even unpleasant feeling gets gets um something that one is a craving is associated with it not necessarily uh, to favor it but to to form a resistance to it mm. so in this forming of of a pattern of either trying to include the feeling or block the feeling with the hope that the unpleasant feeling will go away, or the pleasant feeling will be maintained. That locking is called upadana, cl- clinging, uh, clinging or grasping. This leads to s- the next link is called bhava, translated variously, and it gives you an idea of of the, the, uh, the somewhat slippery nature of these Pali words. It's translated as being, becoming, or existence. Wow. They seem to be quite different things, but what it really, I would suggest, what refers to is, is uh, generating, um, you could say, um, lasting um, objects or lasting qualities out of things that are actually quite evanescent. Mm. It's like something becomes three-dimensional. Uh, something stands out from a field of, of experience. Mm. And it's a certain I begin to, I, there's an experience of an I in relationship to that. Either I'm in that, you know, this is me, this is mine, or I'm other than that, you know, or I have that. Mm. So this is existence, becoming, this energy that binds things together so often associated with remembering associating oh that reminds me of that that's that <coughs> thing definitely there uh-huh uh, that belongs to me or i find myself orienting or relating around that that's what you know so we create fixed positions or the mind creates fixed objects um that's Bawa and so, in a way, you could say all of this experience that we're having is in the realm of becoming, the realm of existence. Mm, you know, it's all and it's, um, it's just kind of the this, this, the nature of consciousness is to generate these things. Um, but uh, it is possible <laughs> to um, for the mind to not uh, get locked into these these uh, mirages, you could say, the mind not to apprehend them. So the ceasing of becoming is possible through non-fixation on a particular perception, thought, mental impression, memory, identity, you know, just that's, you know, that's actually a felt flowing experience, not really a solid object. It's not to say that it's not there, but it doesn't reify into something. But um, the next link in this is called jati, birth, and that can be seen as a indication. This very process is uh, that which goes on from to to another life, you know, that having formed up particular strong proclivities and Mental objects. Then one fares on in accordance with the world that one has created, with the thing that has become, the identity that has become. One fares along with that. Even when this body passes away, then those tendencies are still uh, in the field, and and consciousness arises with similar tendencies. Or it can be seen much more momentarily as something one can, as I've been talking about, these generation of of persona, you know, where momentarily one becomes, you know, the victim or the hero or the pathetic or the wonderful or whatever, and you feel there was history in there. We tend to keep becoming unresolved history. You know, and these kind of sub personae arise so that they be, and they they do, they do have a, um, uh, like a, they do seem to flood. We we feel we're in them, we are them. Mm. Um, So this process of Tana Upadana Bhava is not a chosen thing. It's an unconscious reflex. Um, Although it can be something that, that you know, people do give uh, um, conscious uh, boost to, mm, or try to becoming birth. The next is jaramaranang, aging, sickness, death. Uh, so that's the process of whatever's arisen must come to to breaking up and ending. That's the dependent origination. <coughs> It's really, although it's often presented as some kind of wheel, it's actually the Buddha never used that image, it says it's a tangled skein, like uh, threads all bound up and woven together. So it's not, so some of them are like um, occur t- t- twice. Yeah, like Sankara as a volitional tendencies, right there linked to, it's also there in Nama as volitional tendency intention. tension. It's also there in Tanha as a Driving intentionality. So, and how (coughs) I found that contemplating dependent origination is a good antidote for doubt as it makes the case so clearly that we are bound up in the cycle of suffering because of ignorance. Could you say more about how to? quote, break the link, unquote, between feeling and craving. Particularly how to use meditation to serve this, of this difficult but essential task. Um, just bear that in mind, but somebody else was also asked about, um, in terms of orienting towards enjoyment, didn't the book Buddha recommend sukha before dukkha? I mean, the sweetness that is non-sensory. Don't we need to give ourselves permission to move in that direction more explicitly? So this is sukha, uh, means essentially ease or pleasure, and dukkha, <laughs> you know what that is. <laughs> so clearly those are both feeling experiences and uh, and then why I put the two questions together, because um, you know, the, the kind of basic model, if you like, is that uh, uh, because feeling is so such a strong reflex, everybody is bound to feeling, and the reflex must be to move towards it. And it would have been pragmatic. So, well, you say, know, well, you have to do this the, the, the recommended way is you do it by generating pleasant feeling in skillful. Uh, uh, topics topics that lead to the mind quietening and deepening so as it, it deepens beyond or uh, beneath however you want to put it, but independent of the sense contact mm. independent of the of the um, external senses mm. and why? because uh, by this means you begin to limit the karmic effect and you can't you know if it's you can't physically act upon it so if it's to do with eating or drinking or touching or tasting or something then naturally you can you can activate and go and get another one of these and act on that and every time you do so you're in a way you're training your body and your whole attitude toward, to move towards, out towards external objects. So it's not just the, the, the degree of pleasure that's the problem, it's also the the removal or the movement from the what I call central uh, core presence into um, going out or lack of sense restraint. And lack of sense restraint means even if the, the things you're doing are not immoral, they're okay, you know, it's just that one loses the uh, uh, access to the uh, mind or the real mind, the chitta. We get plenty of thoughts, but we lose access to a quiet inner presence, um, uh, which is uh, chitta. So when one, cu- so the idea or the theme is, could you just sort of cultivate? Uh, qualities of goodwill and realize that feels rather pleasing. It's nice. Can I contempl- can I act in terms of generosity? Well, in terms of obviously on the external level, with an internally, a giving heart, a loving, giving attitude, giving uh, generosity, giving attention, giving permission. You know, so it's something that's quite beautiful just by moving the chitta alone into in that way, um, and to and to reflect many times upon the uh, happiness of uh, living with integrity. And your sense of self-respect is not just good, it's also a subtle kind of uh, agreeable or the removal of the disagreeable sense of furtiveness, regret, uh, agitation, and um, sense addiction, pulling out. You go out, you tend to get into, you're out into a field uh, of, of the sense realm, where there's a huge amount of pulling and pressing and rushing on with and it's disturbance. So, and um, so we're talking a little bit about, about this, about generating these um, forms. You know, the the heart form, um, kindness, morality, mutuality, sharing, cooperation, uh, uh, re- mutual respect. There's a lovely pleasant subtle feeling of, of contentment <laughs> whatever next <laughs> so which the sense realm doesn't do and particularly when it's commercially driven it's not supposed to make you content it's supposed to make you buy another one <laughs> but but the quality of say uh, you know self-respect and, and and kindness and so forth can give one a sense of yeah you know, i'm feeling that's okay, I feel pretty comfortable you know, in my skin, I feel yeah, that's nice yeah. so, uh, if we, but then you have to keep bearing in mind, and that's another reason why it's skillful, because it doesn't just come fortuitously it, you have to keep bringing your mind to it you know? and, and it's just so it keeps working the mind towards subtler forms of contact like many people you know, I think well not many people, but certainly in a dhamma community people are keep keeping precepts, but not necessarily getting the pleasure of it, because it's to be born in mind and feeling the effect of the um what it's like when your mind isn't is isn't uh overstimulated and uh when there's no guilt or regret. Mm. Now, of course, you know, it's funny people keep precepts and still get guilt and regret. But because you're not focusing on, on the act, on the, the ethical quality, you're focusing on either things you did wrong or or feelings of inadequacy, you can't meditate very well, or you slept in today or something, you didn't get up for the morning sitting. Thing. Well, yeah, yeah. But, that, you know, put that aside and focus on what you can feel good about yourself with. <laughs> <Anything>. Um... um <laughs> <laughs> okay, give you a hint, <laughs> didn't kill anything. Oh, well that, yeah, <laughs> oh, that, well, yeah. No, no, just take it out, you know, just bear in mind and use your wisdom to to, to recognize you know, the, 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 what you're giving, the gift of fearlessness to other creatures. Isn't that lovely, The act of dhana? And truthfulness, people can rely upon you. Isn't that pleasing? and you just kind of keep working it. Because the problem of the the mind that's gone out in the sense realm is that it loses some of its subtlety. It gets rather coarse, you know, it leads, and the more you further go out, the coarser it gets. You have to have a really big hit, you know. And so that's the way it goes, you know, if it continues along that way. So if we, the subtlety of it, so it, that, but then the sense of the sila and the kindness and so forth are a skillful form of pleasure because they make the mind more subtle and create less powerful karmic effects for oneself and for others. Or unskillful karmic effects, it's subtler. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, and then, you know, the the Buddha is recommending you, know, you, you kind of you establish that field uh, bef- almost before you meditate. Mm-hmm. When I say before, what I mean is like uh, structurally, you could say. So you go to, you come to your, your retreat, and you take precepts and you reflect on it. You don't worry about meditation right now. That's going to happen, but uh, take that in and okay. And gratitude, another one. Reflect on the gifts that have been given, and the, you know, some been some hard times, but we've been given a life, we've been given breath, we've been given intelligence, we've been given air, water. Okay, yeah, I feel pretty pleased, very grateful. So you're putting getting yourself in a good space, ideally. And so then that quality of pleasure, as you dwell upon it, can help the mind to just get less feverish. Less project-driven, less less. Oh, I've got to make this happen. Less that, yeah? less that kind of feverish tr- rushing on mind. And more able to abide in itself, uh, abide in this mental domain. So, saying when it is that your mind does this, then it tends to help your nerve nervous system to just soothe a little, or you could say the body is relaxed so then establishing the body field so you're getting into a, a nice relationship and a feeling you're, you're not on edge you're not tense you're not nervy and you've got a whole body there and said, so with this then you will get to feel really pretty happy so or not happy in a worldly way but a sense of contented sukha mm. So this is where you generate uh, or a subtle degree of, of, of what's called uh, niramisa. So ni- samisa means conjoined with uh, the sensuality and niramisa means not conjoined. So you generate that. So that that's the normal uh, or standard um, um, procedure, i would say. So you, you're uh, substituting feeling uh, for, for, for on a different basis it's the feeling that inclines the mind towards clearing out unskillful uh, regrets unskillful sankharas such as um, you know, because you've got something you feel quite contented and happy it tends to clear out the hindrance of restlessness uh, and doubt and craving and ill will and so when that clears out then your mind becomes really very happy very deeply undisturbed, and this is samadhi. Mm. So this is, you know, uh, the antidote, what's called tadanga, whereby you re- you sh- you basically replace one source of feeling for another. Mm. And the quality of samadhi is not just that it's, pl- it's pleasant, but it's also what the really important factor is firm. And that's, it's like a, you know, the pleasure is the honey on the medicine. <laughs> you know, like the, 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 so the pleasure is certainly helpful, but the firmness is extremely helpful because it means your mind doesn't rock around so much and you're able to, through that, gain a certain sense of deep stability. Uh, and this does help to reduce the pressure of these uh, hindrances and outflows, mm. and from so uh, because this is this is in the mental domain, even though it's we could say it's embodied. Um, then, when the mind is not so oppressed with these hindrances and agitations and disturbances, because of the firmness of, of samadhi or warmth of it then it's a lot clearer because there's, there's these kind of torrents of currents flowing through the clarity then it's it's that's the clarity of insight and that's what really cuts the link so you've kind of weakened it you've shifted it you've weakened it you've mastered it you've gained some say over it you've used it skillfully and then you you've, you've so There's still a some degree of, of craving there, or, you know, becoming, samadhi, but then clarity that rises from that insight, clarity, is essentially, it's so simple to say, of course, but it's not so easy to do, to really get it, all this, who does it belong to? You know, because when, when the mind is calmer, that, Whiplash, rapid movement into I am and the generation of persona—it's becoming things—is t- is slowed down considerably. And then you're able to to get the sense in which you know the movement forward, the movement of becoming, actually is stressful. It never really results you never become anything you know as a final statement and this is uh, so anatta anicca dukkha anatta is the is the is the code and to witness that Um, now because what begins to occur through that process of clarity is as a sense of the clarity itself the domain of clarity the domain of wisdom is associated with factors which are transcendent. Um, and the first of these is viveka, means there's some ability to unplug, unhook from an object. And, uh-huh. yeah. So we're not approving, disapproving, going forward, going back, closing it down, make just, uh-huh. So you're sort of like stepping off the terrain that normally we we run around, you know? Running around, it's like you've moved off to just perspective. Oh, this is this, this is that. Uh huh. So, and that has this taste of the deathless in it. Because it's not, not about an object. It's an openness, it's an unhooking from object. It doesn't become anything. It's not aiming to become anything. It's not aiming for resolve. It's just a shift. And the the mind, when it's clearer and less oppressed, it can do that. It can review. You know, is so just to emphasise that, because I'm so sure we all do it, but we don't notice it. You must do this in order to get things in perspective. You step back. you know, What's that? Okay. Mm-hmm. But we don't really make so much of that ability and length and the the port the, the length and the time you could say really make it uh, longer and wider and more hovering pausing back mm. and there is a kind of quality of release in that because this is a has a flavour of the deathless in it it's it's particular the chitta. If anyone can do that, uh it's not a person. It's not creating anything. And then through this, as it's more steadily encouraged, just the feeling, perceptions, memories, and so forth, this is a feeling, so. Feelings do what feelings do, you know, (laughs) again. (laughs) And from Viveka, it's possible to make that statement, and if you can make that statement, honestly make that statement, then you really, you know, want to want to acknowledge that, because this quality then it feels so much more stable, so much more present and stable than approving and disapproving and favoring and rushing on, you know, into it. It's just so much more stable Ah, and you want that something you chitta really wants that That, that's coolness stability this gives rise to uh, dispassion viraga there's a flavor that there's something that that just doesn't really want to or enjoy or see a need to get stirred up. This is a taste of the deathless. It's not a suppression of, of things, it's just I could go into that and run around with it for a while but I don't think I'll bother. Because I've done it twenty thousand times already, <laughs> and it didn't get me anywhere useful. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of spelling it out because you don't verbalise it. You may verbalise it, but it's just a sense of what's this got for me? Now, you know, there the me is this stable presence that the Viveka has just touched you into, touched into. So this this cannot make me any more stable. In fact, it, it diminishes it I'd sooner do this I'd sooner be with this this is viraga this whole process when we chant the first sermon this word nibindati means one is no longer so enchanted with sights and flavors and feelings just yeah you know here we go again (laughs) and there's this viraga and because of this, this, this property or this possibility, you know, niroda, certain things start to just stop. They fade out because they're not. And the, the sheer uh, uh, process of it is: if you don't feed something, it, it fades out. Something passes away. And we generally feed things unconsciously, with some unconscious reflex that either we need to to keep ourselves going (laughs) if you want want to keep yourself going Uh, or because it's going to make us feel better or more solid or more secure or more just or more right or more approved of no enough of that disenchanted (coughs) because it doesn't do what it says so dispassion, Nero. certain things start to to stop start to stop (laughs) Or, or, or become less and less relevant. Hmm. This happens both momentarily and also as a long-term ceasing of of proclivities and tendencies. Um, and this is near order. So this is definitely uh, it's, it's it's presented as the as the ceasing of something, because what's <laughs> but it, It's not entirely negative because the Buddha is saying all that ceases is just suffering or the stressful or that which generates suffering or that which is, you know, suffering depends upon. It sounds kind of grim, doesn't it? But dissatisfaction, you could say. So it's a ceasing of the topics and the modalities of dissatisfaction. That's, that's, you know, deathless. Mm. Nibbana, in Nibbana. So with that, um, you know, uh, and this is something we can even play with or can see that in the fact there is this process and it's, it really is, is underlined in the whole tendency of the teaching, which from an ordinary point of view looks kind of pessimistic and negative. But from the meditation point of view, what cannot be coloured in is the nibbana property, because <laughs> it doesn't have a colour. But it doesn't mean it's not experienceable. Uh, and you just have to get this for yourself, really. So that's how uh, this, this link is, in, is um, the re- complete release from it. So one was able to basically. Um, have some say over feeling and inclined towards skillful basis of feeling. That's giving you, so it's not just this sort of compulsive, addictive sense. Oh, no, I can do that. You just stay with this, put that aside, linger in this, release that. It helps to clean the system. So greater contentment, mind becomes more peaceful, less frenzied. Um, clarity arises. I mean, the clarity begin to be able to, get some p- dispassion towards feeling itself <coughs> uh, sometimes you know on a kind of very crude basic level it's just the link is generated just by bearing with feeling you know unpleasant feeling just bearing with it and not and it, it will tend to eventually wane you know? um and reviewing the nature of it you know, so as as a phenomenon rather than as i feel so these are things you can bear in mind but to remember the, the twofold process one is the jitta process which is associated with all the qualities that give rise to samadhi a certain co- cooling and steadying and amplifying of the energy property of jitta of the mind and coming to what that really is it's not this is sc- scatty thought process but a real um, process of mentality of I could say heart or something like that presence uh, and then the Banya, the wisdom of just beginning to, to come from that place and wow that which I thought was pleasant is actually stressful huh? You know the vipalasa, the distortions begin to come out. You know, no, I don't want that. <laughs> you know that that nibida. That I'm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's what I would say tonight on that one, and um. You know, it's <laughs> so, I'm sorry. You know, it, it sounds abstract sometimes, but it is, it definitely does is doable. Um, it definitely is doable, and you see when you just do it to a degree, just some just some degree of it gives you this the clue and the, the confidence that. You know, you can get off out of this thing. <laughs> is presence the same as awareness? What is the relationship of presence to mindfulness and emptiness? Can you describe the felt sense of presence? So... Yeah, presence. You could say it's the same as awareness, and they're both words. And uh, <laughs> thereby lies the main problem, because <laughs> you're already experiencing it, <laughs> uh, but you can't really quite, <laughs> because it's not it's not an object. <laughs> uh, it's the subject, which has no object. Uh, Citta. So awareness is, is something, a familiar term, uh, knowing, anya, anya. Mm. So that's, that's the more usual term, anya, knowing. Mm. Um, but because uh, in knowing, the very word English word knowing is so associated with some kind of uh, co- cognitive experience, that uh, I tend to also emphasise the what I call the the again energetic quality of it, which is a sense of stability. Um, stability. Um, so, uh, because uh, the awareness is stable, but it's normally it's aware of all kinds of unstable things occurring in it you know so by and large we don't necessarily feel that stable because we are aware of phenomena that are nature to move and evoke and push and press and there's this huge turbulence going on so we don't really get it that that there's an awareness there of the turbulence Um, and even when we begin to consider oh this is all impermanent so forth still that's 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 true, but you don't necessarily really really get it as as a something like almost a beginning to kind of separate um, from the bond to to engagement with that which is changing flowing um, so it's the stable and uh, uh um, you know this is uh, so this is more looking at perhaps from the emphasis perhaps more on the chitta the samadhi aspect where there is a sense of groundedness and from that you know mm, grounded stable balanced here these are other terms that can can perhaps remind remind you of it mm. So it has an effect on, on the body, an effect on the mind. The body tends to uh release some of its tension and construct and an agitation. We don't do it, we just if you if you come into to presence it, that the body picks that up and oh it calms down and tends to relax itself. And, that's, and the mind also, uh, you, so you can't really s- form an object out of presence. You know, Objects start to recognize that and, and begin to calm because they're not getting fed. They're not getting the input. So mental stuff starts to slow down by, by presence and awareness. And hereby is, is the sort of difficult or the subtle thing about what kind of effort is necessary to to is to touch into those what, what I'm talking about. Because if it's too too much effort, the effort just creates a lot of turbulence. So we don't get the sensitivity because the effort is actually constantly driving things on and whipping things up. If there's not enough effort, then we end up just going into the vortex of it all, you yeah. So, because you want the effort that just stabilizes. So the effort is there to establish, on a mundane level, sati, right, mindfulness. That's the point of effort, to establish mindfulness, so. Uh, mindfulness is a mundane uh, factor. In other words, it's associated with, it's arisen, caused, generated, conditioned, changeable, breaks down, can, we can develop it, so it's what we call the mundane or the conditioned. But it, it has the ability to to uh, to support or, or, or the the realization of awareness. You realize awareness, you realize presence. You, oh, it was always there, but I never really looked at it before. Because there's always kind of in the mix, thrashing around with it. And even the effort so if it's too the efforts aren't balanced, we, we get too involved with our thoughts trying to sort ourselves out, or irritated by our moods and feelings, or terribly agitated when the, the feeling is bad or the emotion is bad or the energy is low, and you get very ugh, and get thrashed around in it. So the point of the right effort is just that which enables one to establish a frame of reference, mindful. Yeah. That's that, and instead of more compulsive input into it, there's a bearing with, and any input that is put in is just that which is conducive to sustaining presence, being with something rather than in it. And this does help to 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 realize, one realizes uh, a stability there, uh, 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 and an awareness and so although awareness isn't conditioned the path to awareness is conditioned there is processes that unlock the the uh, the uh, realization of it and then sometimes when you you realize anything well how of course how ordinary of course what's all that about <laughs> but when it's not un, un, when it's locked, you know, when, you, when you are in it, uh, it feels it feels so overwhelming and so uh, so congested. Mm. So the effort, just enough to sustain presence, and it's said you know to uh, so, so mindfulness. So mindfulness can be on, can be a range of things. You know, particular details or the four establishments of mindfulness just there is body so it says the mindfulness and comprehension to the extent that one is aware there is a body it doesn't sound very difficult Don't really do that oh no they can't because the only experience oh my knee oh it's funny feeling in my back oh oh thinking about something else oh which part of my body should I be in? Uh, my head, you know, you don't just get there is body, you get all kinds of complications happen. Even if you're maintaining awareness of your body, you're going to areas of it or feeling dissonant energies with it. So there is body, all this is just body, rather than mine, I'm in this, what can I do about it? Mm. So it's a non-proliferation, you know? So, so it's, it's just there is. So that's that's awareness and that's presence. There is. It's simple. It's clean. It's it's non-proliferating. Mm. You know. So this is what the Buddha realized, and uh, we say you know, the Buddha. One of the most amazing features of the Buddha is he sat under a tree, without speculating what kind of tree it was. How big it's going to grow it's just there is a tree. there is a body <laughs> mm. <clears throat> so this stable is is another term that you come across as one of the one of the ways in which Nibbana is verbalized is that the stable, the secure, kema, the stable, tita means it doesn't ke- need other things to keep it going. It stands on its own. Yeah. The independent, stable, the secure, the peaceful, the sublime. Thank you for reminding us about sadness this morning (laughs) could you say a bit more about sadness and compassion recalling that grief gets listed as a near enemy to compassion where's that from anyway commentaries anyway what do you notice about these two experiences Well, mm, well The word sad comes from Latin sat, meaning um, filled. Satis, filled, filled. So sadness is a very full quality of tenderness that starts to, perhaps um, when it becomes grief, that, that tenderness uh, overflows and it, it, we can't hold it, we're not stable in it, we're shaking with it, we, the, the, we, the body can't hold it, we feel collapsing, we feel emotionally rocked by that because the heart isn't big enough to hold it, figuratively speaking, you know, we can't, yeah. Um, so it's a tenderness, a poignant quality, of being touched, deeply touched, um, by you know the poignant it could be the fragile the vulnerable the passing the changeable the dukkha the of existence when it's touched and the heart is very tender and opens to that and because it for an ordinary person you know can't easily find a stable place within that so they they find themselves swimming and swooning and perhaps needing other people to just give them some steadiness which is the general remedy just let's talk about it there's a stable person just listens or holds your hand or something or you give you some stability then okay yeah and it can be managed so it comes out and so it's associated with certain uh heart feelings the heart qualities but it also has a bodily sense in it often people weep with sadness or Shiver or shake, or feels this bodily disorientation. Hmm. I think when I was mentioning it this morning, I was just touching into it as one emotional current, one emotional flavour that may arise when one begins to release. Um, that is, it can, because it, when one is say constricted or or in a stuck position of some kind, <coughs> you know, or like a, a person this person in your head is very tight and then something begins to la- relax and let go and it could be there's a shad, a shimmer of, of grief or sadness because of course you know the person who was created was created out of suffering <laughs> out of need out of inadequacy out of vulnerability out of sometimes just out of being Terribly frightened or trying to secure and hold on to something. So when one releases, because one's releasing from an unsatisfactory position, it, it can state, it can be the case that in that release there's a sense of oh, tenderness from a very stuck place, and that we experience this as a, a shiver of tenderness and softness and, and uh, sadness. But a relief, a relieving sadness in a way. It's like, oh, you know. So the weeping can be quite a relief in that in that way. And then if it's just held through, then it can finish and complete. And there's a sense of, oh, you know, something's passed. I think that, that was what I was mentioning this morning. It's part of somatic process. Now compassion is is essentially the. Uh, the inclination—it's an intention—to uh, bear with, or to you know, to to open to to that which is unpleasant, rather than you know, to sort of want to embrace it. To to, uh, to that that which, sorry, that which is hurt. To want to embrace that which is hurt. That, that's the quality of compassion rather than to uh, um, run away from it or feel embarrassed by it, uh, disgusted by it, or judgmental of it, or to ignore it, or to find blame it on somebody else or something, uh, or to try to make it happy. <laughs> yeah. So in this way, uh, this is where, in this context, to, to just lock into, to constantly, not the, not the shimmering movement through of a process of touching into sadness and letting it change, but actually locking into the grief. Like, oh, oh, I did this, oh, I never, oh, he was, oh, she, you know, we're constantly, something is constantly reiterating the topic rather than releasing it. Uh, Then this is, means one hasn't really, uh, uh, one's still trying to, to, um, um, one hasn't really open to the, the, uh, the nature of, of hurt, um, the mind is still re- reacting to it, triggering off these reactions to it. So, you know, because what, what occurs with uh, grief is either in memory or in thought or just in oh, something even more intuitive, there's a reiteration of the topic, so it's locked, and therefore it keeps disturbing. And why is it locked? Well, it could be a number of reasons, but one one of the uh, processes is, 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 okay, well, this is called painful feeling, rather than, you know, just just get with it. <laughs> Don't get in it, get with it. And there's a difference between being with something and being in it just get with it open to it and and terms that help can be like well everybody has this you know because <laughs> uh, the the reiteration is often per- very localizes and personalizes experience you know i had a rough time she did this he never did this well yeah but so did everybody <laughs> i mean you know in different ways <laughs> it's not that <laughs> one uh, uh, and here we are, here we are. And there's something, one of the blessings of compassion is that you, it does cause the mind to open to the human, well, one aspect of the human condition, which is the the dukkha of it. Uh, It opens to that. So, So we come out of the self into, well, this is what, Everybody gets a dose of this stuff. Uh, But you can't necessarily start from there because it seems like you're just dismissing. But that can be be the realization. You know, feeling is feeling. Unpleasant feeling is unpleasant feeling. Mm. Be with it. So the, the lamentation, then, is when you're not really with it, you're in it, often adding topics unconsciously or consciously to it, so you keep it going. So therefore, it's not compassionate. So if you, you know, it's, you yeah. Just I think I'll just deal with a couple here <coughs> somebody's thinking about um thought and the difference between say um I wonder if I cut off investigation because I want to avoid analysis and getting tangled in thoughts. And then there are times when a light touch of bare attention seems appropriate. Clues on how to navigate this? Well, the lightness of... of, um, of skillful thought, or what's is something to acquire, because we're highly literary and conceptually fired um, minds it's we tend to overdo we're academic and we're literate, so we tend to overdo thinking because this is culturally understood, or culturally assumed to be the way to a, to a better state of being, to develop more thought, science, knowledge. And there are grounds to, to say that's the case, except everybody's still miserable. <laughs> <laughs> it's just gone. <laughs> but <laughs> they've got neater gadgets to be miserable with. <laughs> So it can, and you know, we live longer, and all these things. But it doesn't, by itself, make us actually necessarily any more happy or comfortable, mm, though it should do. Um, so yeah, there's the, there's the, the so you, you can see. Well, yeah, you can you can do that with through our brilliant thinking minds. Hmm. But then when it comes down to say, you know, how to moderate that thinking mind, so. We can find some inner contentment and ease. We've got to learn how to operate this thinking system, so it's it's not just this and that, and this and that, and this and that, but also to be able to kind of um, moderate it. And this really involves what thinking, all thinking, involves, a co- bringing something to mind and then giving it some space to consider it. Any thinking does that. Some people are very quick at that, you know they uh, say, say something and they get it and ah reminds me of this and come back with an answer so you're very quick at that particularly if it's it's external topics you know I've got this problem problem alright and then it. Oh, I think you need to do this it's kind of flash because they've taken the topic popped it in there and this response comes out uh, uh, yeah. so that's vitaka is the placing uh, and it places into and there's this Vichara is that which can mm-hmm. assess, handle, and assess, and then come back with, and then something can come back with a with a response to that. Now, in in terms of well, in many many fields of human endeavour, um, the whole emphasis on time and getting things done quickly means that the vichara process is abbreviated we've become autom- automatic we don't have the time to to give things consideration we just jump to the next thing as an automatic system so you get automatized out of in out of considered attention into just obey reflex you know far faster to to get things done or get where you're going or whatever so that's, that's something you've got to work against, slowing down, and so this is the use of just a gentle, and really when you touch into something, you want to make an exercise of lengthening the time that you listen and pause around that. How is that? So, you touch something, what would you say about that? Um, Slightly firm, cool, smooth, little rough textures, anything else? Agreeable, disagreeable? Changes. Mm. How far does that sensation spread? Oh yeah, it's my finger and then my hand and I sense my elbow and my bicep and... Yeah, I can feel energy. So you're just lengthening to not just to have more experiences, but to get the mind to to pause and take more in because in that process there are things that are not immediately sensed or the first touch. The first point isn't necessarily particularly meditation isn't necessarily the point. The point is what comes after. Yeah. So you're going to wait for, ah, oh, there's a sense of subtle ah, oh, there's a sense of mindfulness or attentiveness or there's a sense of you know, subtler effects of feeling pleased or contented or calmed or reassured or you, know, you, you learn things that are kind of more in depth through pausing. Hmm. So it's often the process of just you know you coming to a, a um, yeah you know, for example a breath breathing in breathing in breathing out so what sensation yes yeah, so what now if you track it you're just able to what is that pressures sort of cooling warming flowing vibrant anything else. Uh, there's also attention there. Oh yeah, attention. How is your, and there's a appreciation quality of that. Ah, anything else? The sense of uh, attentiveness deepening. So you know, you get finer and finer effects out of experiences that, by themselves, are nothing special. You know, breathing in and breathing out. So what? But. In that you can feel subtle energies, you can also feel or come into aspects of, of important aspects of mind, such as the mind is, is stilled or agitated, or you know, And it's in that the, this it takes you into the structures of your psychology and the structures of your body on an energetic level, and these are not immediately available, and you can't get them in that immediate sense. They come from lingering, and these qualities then come drifting in. Uh Aha, there's that, Uh aha. So certain, and if the attention is too fast, then you you miss it. If it's too heavy, you miss it. If you're plunking away too hard with your attention, you miss the subtle effects. So there's a lightness and an agility of, of touching something with the conceiving mind. Right? So vitakka is the toucher. This is this is a thought. This is a feeling. this sensation, this outbreath, this moment of outbreath, this in the belly, then a weight. Take it in a little bit more. a oh, sense of opening. Energy is happening underneath that. Uh-huh. So it's both light, and it's not ter- gripping the object really hard. It's also light in that it's it's a gentle attention. So the mind isn't pushing; it's open. Yeah, and therefore um the investigation occurs as a, like a evaluation or a beginning to appreciate subtler qualities and this is where the, the whole conditioning uh, experience is is in that under layer of experience that's why it's called subtle to see because it's not on the surface otherwise we would see it already it occurs under the surface behind all that so so the investigation is just allowing and trawling through the subtler qualities of effects that occur around relatively simple mundane experiences so like a walking walking standing breathing sitting hearing sound ah. After the sound, there's that shimmering and a silence. Uh huh. Yeah. You know? Because one touches and opens. The vichara is the essential piece. Now, it's also the case that one does have to have that sense of placing. Otherwise, you don't really deepen either. You, you get a bit dreamy. So to place gently on a relevant topic, listen, follow. That's the light touch associated with um, um, wise consideration, deep attention, Vijaya, investigation of states. Uh, Analysis comes, if at all, comes later first of all really you know feel and know the experience before you may come to any conclusions and you know something will jump up something will come to you you'll get the aha moments from that quality of attention you don't really need to do a lot of analysis because the realizations will tend to arise by themselves and after the realizations, after the realizations then you oh i was just identifying with that but the real the the and the understanding comes after the realization in my my estimation so i think that's enough for tonight thank you